At pick 23, the Vikings very much could go with a wide receiver, maybe earlier, maybe later. Let's rank them, see how we feel on the Lockdown Vikings podcast. You like it on three, one, two, three, you like it! You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I am your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. This show is available wherever you find your favorite podcasts every single day, including on YouTube. And a big shout out to those of you who listen every day. My hashtag everydayers. Love y'all. You can also find this show on Amazon Fire or Roku if you download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. Today on the show, we are talking about wide receivers. It's going to be a few shows like this now leading up to the draft. There's only a few shows left before the actual draft happens. So I want to do a little bit of a review session, uh, a cram for exams kind of deal where I'm going to go over all of the, I think, major positions that I have really spent a lot of time on, which are wide receiver, which will be today, and quarterback and cornerback, which will be next week. Um in depth and talk about everybody. So if you have not been listening to uh, draft content all for two months, <laughs> this is the show for you. Come catch up on everything we've been talking about. And yeah, that does mean there will be some repetition for my hashtag everydayers. Uh, but it is also good to review everything. It's like the last day of a class before the test where you talk about everything you already talked about. We're doing that with wide receiver today. Um, so I'm going to go over this kind of by day. I think there are... You're my kind of day one guys, my day two guys, and then guys that are maybe more of like late round sleepers that maybe we can talk about. But I want to focus more on guys that I have watched or at least done some research on where I can feel pretty good about their skill sets. Um, so let me start with who I think I have three first round grades on wide receivers. Now, go listen to yesterday's show for why I don't really want you to care too much about where I put a guy and in what round. I'm just got to talk about him in some order, right? I'm going to tell you about their skill sets. You decide how you feel about that, right? For me, I'm going to value stuff way different than someone else values it, and that's okay. Um, so enough uh, beating around the bush. I have my number one wide receiver in this class. Uh, I have them all in my take at 23 tier. And this is how I do a horizontal big board. I'll break everybody out into positions and then I'll say, okay, which wide receivers would I take at 23? Which ones would I take, but only if you trade down a little? Which ones would I trade up for? I don't have any that I would trade up for. I don't think any receiver in this class is good enough to be worth trading extra capital. Take whoever falls and the second day-ish guys are, are thick enough. There's enough of those guys where if you don't get any of the day one guys you like, it's not a huge deal and I'm not really interested in forcing that issue. Um... Those three guys that I would actually stand pat, and if they're there at 23, I'm picking them, are Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jordan Addison, and Zay Flowers. I don't expect those guys to be there at 23, to be honest. I don't think that they will, but this is a, if it happens, how will I react, right? If Smith and Jigba falls to 15, am I trading up? I don't think so. 20, am I trading up? I don't think so. 23, all right, he's here, he's in my lap, I'll take him. Uh, but, you know, if he goes at 10 and I don't get him, I'm not going to cry 
tears about it. Good job, Eagles, or whoever ends up picking him at 10 or wherever. Um, those are my three guys that I that I have, you know, okay, these are first-round players to me. I'll start with Jackson Smith and Jigba, who is my favorite of this class, because I think he's just the best wide receiver, and I think he's just the best at the position. Um, the reason that people will disagree with me here is his top speed leaves something to be desired. He is not the fastest guy. I think he ultimately ran like a 4.49 at the combine. So he did pretty well there, but on the field, his you can see his speed come to bite him in like breakaway situations. He'll catch a pass, he'll, you know, nobody in front of him and he runs, he'll get run down. And that will just put a ceiling on things. You cannot throw a 70-yard touchdown slant pass that he takes to the house, right? Because he'll just get run down. But that'll still be like a 55-yard pass and it'll be an explosive. And I think you can generate explosives with Smith and Jigba. You just They just won't go all the way. And if you look at it from like an analytics perspective, this is I say the same thing about running backs a little bit. The last 10 yards are worth a lot less than the first 10 yards on a big explosive play. You know, you you would much rather have a guy that's good at be, at generating big plays and, and good at, you know, playing the position. He is great body control. His routes are savvy. He knows what he's doing. He knows where he's supposed to go. He knows the scramble drill rules. Um, you know, the body control, not only in terms of like contorting when the catch needs to be weird, but also in terms of sifting his way through traffic. And he has a smaller frame as well sifting his way through traffic without taking big physical shots. So in the red zone, that becomes really important, right? There's just a lot of bodies around and being able to get where you're supposed to go without um, taking a huge hit is a really big skill for those small guys. And he can, you know, restack after he releases to the outside. He can get back onto his alignment so your quarterback doesn't have to pick up the slack for him. Um, he has all of those skills, he just ain't the fastest dude in the world once you get to yard 50. But by the time you're to yard 50, that's a pretty good play anyways. And and the next few is just kind of the cherry on top. And, and there's sort of a diminishing return, like analytics wise, a 50 yard catch, a 60 yard catch, a 70 yard catch. You're happy with all of it. Um, so for that reason, it's like the flaw that people will not like him for is the flaw I care the least about. And that's why I have him up top. And I also just think he's better at certain stuff than all these other guys are. Um, I just think he's the guy that has the best chance to be a good receiver in this class. And I, his top speed, it's something. It, it's the reason I'm not trading up for him. Uh, but doesn't bug me too much. If he were, by some miracle, were there at 23, the Vikings slammed it, I'd be super happy. Um, the next up is Jordan Addison, who is the USC guy. Um, who was He won the Boletnikoff Award at Pitt as well, with Kenny Pickett throwing to him, and then he got Caleb Williams throwing to him. Um... I really like Jordan Addison. I actually did a whole show on him and a, and a whole um, Patreon video on him as well. If you want to find patreon.com slash Luke Brown NFL, which by the way, I am going to make all of my draft breakdowns free to the public. So if you haven't signed up, you can still watch them, but after the draft. Uh, so if you want to go watch stuff after the draft, if I covered a guy that the Vikings pick and you go on to watch about him, all of that will be free to the public. Um, no matter who you are, or if you've even met me before. Jordan Addison is another sort of light frame receiver, and that physicality is kind of among some of the worst in the class. He will get bumped off his route, sometimes bumped off his balance entirely, just by corners that are playing physical. And you got to understand, if you, like, imagine a route, and to keep things simple, imagine a go route, straight line, right? If you're a defensive back and you're covering that, sometimes the way to, to cover it is to just be in the way. 
as a D-back, if you want to talk about illegal contact rules, you have as much right to your kind of path as the wide receiver does. You can't get in his way and, and, and you know, grab him or tug him or, or you can't screw him up, but you can be physically in the way and he has to either go around you or through you and all of that is fair game, no flags, but you're going to knock him off of his path and off of his rhythm and timing and, and now the throw's not going to be there and you've done your job. So as a corner, if you're up against Jordan Addison, you can just kind of be in the way and he's going to bounce off you like a pinball. So there's an issue there, but I love his speed. I know he didn't run the best 40 time, but I, I love the way that he, he uses speed. Um, I think he closes down space well enough. I think he does a great job of, you know, he will go around a corner, you know, say, all right, I'm in your way. You have to run your go route and I'm standing right in front of it. Well, you have to go around and he'll do that, but he will get back in and he's really, really willing to go off of his alignment, but it's always purposeful and intentional. And I love that. I love that. You can always see why he went off his alignment and he restacks that alignment. That means he gets back onto where he's supposed to be. Quarterback is throwing a ball to a spot a lot of the time, saying, I'm throwing this to the numbers, you know, 40 yards or 22 yards down the field to the numbers, right? That's uh, uh, the, what the quarterback is expecting. So you can't be 22 yards down the field, but outside the numbers. The ball's not going to be there. You have to be back where you are, and Addison can do that, and that's why he's my number two guy. Um, I want to talk about Flowers, Quentin Johnston, Josh Downs, all of these other dudes uh, that at least the ones that, that, that I got to, um, and make sure that I get to all of them. This is going to be a pretty frantic episode. Uh, but bef before I get to that, Hey, something very exciting is coming to built.com this weekend on April 22nd. And I, I can't give you all the details yet, but you won't want to miss it. So here's how built works. It is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar covered in hundred percent chocolate, low calorie, low sugar, low fat, chock full of protein, and then absolutely delicious degenerate flavors that we have been uh, talking about on this show for years. Then every once in a while, they'll do like a flavor drop that's a limited edition that you just have to go to the website and get it. I can't tell you what it is, but I can tell you that you're going to want to be there. So mark your calendars and head to built.com on Saturday, April 22nd, this coming Saturday, and you will be one of the first to discover what all that hype is about. Make sure you use promo code LOCKEDON15, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-1-5, and you can get 15% off of that order at Built.com. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. Shout out to my everydayers. We are going to do more like this. We're going to get corner. We're going to get QB. We're going to also, of course, have a Mock Draft Monday, the final Mock Draft Monday, um, and a Twitter Tuesday. And then, of course, we're going to be live for all of uh, Thursday night, for all of round one of the draft, we'll be live on the Locked On Vikings YouTube channel. So make sure you come through and uh, come chit chat with me while we watch the draft together. Let me move on, though, and talk about the next wideout on my list. The last one that I would be comfortable taking at 23. Everybody else, I would be pretty disappointed if they were the pick just at 23 straight up. That's Zay Flowers. Again, I don't think any of these three guys actually make it. And that's why I, I think if you're picking a wide receiver, Probably not going to be happy with just staying at 23 and doing it. Trade down, get some extra value, get a, a corner and a receiver, and then I can be talked into some of these guys lower on my list. But if Zay Flowers is on the board and they just sprint up to the podium, I'm into that. Um, Zay Flowers is another small receiver, and he has that same thing where he can't really get through you. He's going to get around you. And he's not as good as uh, Jordan Addison is at restacking. He will just kind of be off of his 
off of his alignment. And the quarterback just has to kind of make up for that. Um, and I think it did rob Boston College of some of the production. But of all of the guys in this class, I think Zay Flowers is the one that's like the most electric after the catch. Probably close second is Quentin Johnston. Those are the two real after-the-catch mavens. Um, and it gives a very interesting dynamic. I think, you know, we've talked a lot about like pairing with Justin Jefferson, you know, who pairs well with Justin Jefferson. I think this, and he can win one-on-one, he, he's savvy enough with his routes, um, it, intentional enough with those routes. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to set up a release. He's not just kind of throwing out moves and hoping something sticks. He's really intelligently going through and saying, okay, I'm going to take you outside. I'm going to really try to get outside of your frame. And then that's going to set me up to cut inside. And there's a, a very um, thought out plan to it. But also that after catch thing can be really exciting. There's a lot of stuff that like the 49ers do with Debo Samuel, not the run game stuff, but just the regular pass game, you know, shallow crosser with, uh, you know, like a wall concept where there's uh, a bunch of routes going all the way across the field one way and then a shallow cross coming the other way. I think Dalvin Cook actually got a touchdown on this last year. Give that to Zay Flowers. Let him beat whoever's coming across in pursuit. Uh, and you can get an explosive that way. Really free, easy explosives just by dishing the ball to him and watching him make a play. That makes it really exciting. I'm all right if he doesn't restack quite as well, but he can still get open. He's just going to kind of not quite be as precise as you wish, and the quarterback's got to deal with it. We got a quarterback who can deal with it. I think Cousins can throw those balls when the guy doesn't restack just exactly right. And that's absolutely something that you can learn as well for for all of the guys that have this problem, which there's a lot of them because there's a lot of small receivers. You'll notice all three of these guys undersized, and it's kind of like a thing. <laughs> like it does, and it affects their game. Um, and that's what this wide receiver class is. It is a whole bunch of small boys and all of them. I, I've been kind of use it like they're all podcasters. They're all built like me. Like they're actually guys that are genuinely my height and weight. And if you're watching on YouTube, that is alarming. <laughs> you should be alarmed by that. Um, but I'm okay with it because with Zay Flowers, because he represents an additional dimension. And I know the stuff in this Shanahan McVay offensive world that O'Connell can absolutely dial up for him. That would be really, really exciting. I absolutely think he could come on the field right away and be an electrifying presence in an additional dimension. You take that in the first round day one extra dimension to your offense. Yeah, that's the first round pick for sure. And I, that's why, again, I don't think he falls to 23. So let's say the Vikings trade down. Uh, let's say something happens. They've got a second round pick somewhere in the top 40. That's my next tiers. Who's in the top 40? That's a, a moderate trade down. Maybe we just trade a little bit out of the first. Maybe we not even out of the first. Maybe we're picking at 31, right? I think that's fine. The next guy on my list, and I'm lower on him than a lot are, is Quentin Johnston. He's my wide receiver four. And I will say, I didn't watch every receiver. Maybe there is somebody who I would have had over him. Um, and mostly it's because he's got a lot of that same electricity after the catch. Really good balance through contact. Um, able to break like a lot of tackles and really get going downfield. He's got a big frame, so he's really difficult to break down and he's fast enough on that big frame to be exciting with the ball in his hands. But the issues with him mount up a lot where I don't see him on the field right away being successful. Um, I, I see a lot that he needs to learn yet. His, his pads come up before he breaks, which tips off a defender that he's about to break the route off. Um, he doesn't close space as quickly as I would like him to. He doesn't 
break routes off as aggressively into someone's face as I would like him to. Um, he body catches, which means instead of having his hands out and overhand and almost like using it as a crosshairs right in front of your face to get that ball or using your hands to kind of um, make your frame bigger, he needs to move his body and kind of use his body as part of that catch. It's a really bad habit he has, which robs him of a lot of that big frame. He's 6'3", and he's 208. He's this big, gangly guy with long, lopy, like, gazelle speed. Um, he's he's not as fast as Randy Moss, but his runs look aesthetically like Randy Moss, if that helps you visualize it. Um, but where, you know, Randy Moss could go up and get anything, right, because he's the GOAT, he is robbing himself of catch radius by using his body um, and being a lot less comfortable catching something that comes out of his frame. And for that reason, he's got like an 8% drop rate, which is a concern. Um, there are a lot of other issues with Quentin Johnston that I, I think are just rawnesses. And I think he's a, a lot of people are talking about how athletic and big of a frame he is and, and how that's exciting. I see him as a project. Uh, he's a project that's got enough athleticism for me to take it in the second, but I can't see him contributing and I can see enough. Like there are, are there are, are players like Anthony Richardson, for example, who are okay. I can't see you contributing year one, but there's a ceiling that I'm after and I can see the path where it comes through with Johnston. I see the path where it comes, comes around and he figures it out and he puts all this stuff together and he becomes a decent player. I, I also see the path where he just doesn't learn certain stuff. And by year two, we've forgotten about him and he's going in round, you know, 20 of fantasy drafts because he's just kind of a, a, a random guy. You know, I, I see the world where he gets dumped for a fifth round pick next year uh, or, or in two years because he just didn't pan out. Like I see that sort of path for him where he just doesn't figure out some of these more subtle nuances and doesn't get more comfortable at the position. So I'm very worried about him. I think he's a very, very risky player. Doesn't mean that he's never going to work out, but it's a risk I'm not very comfortable with unless we trade back and, and acquire a whole bunch of capital. Maybe we trade back, you know, 20 spots and we're sitting there, you know, I pick 40, 43. I'd be very happy with Quentin Johnston at that point because that means we probably got a lot of extra capital, right? And okay, now we take Quentin Johnston plus maybe a pick next year or plus an extra cornerback or something like that. And then I can, I can come to, to a little more peace with having him. I don't think he falls that far, uh, but I do see a world where he, where he falls out of the first. Cause I don't think I'm the only one seeing this on the total flip side. And I actually flirted with putting Jonathan Mingo above Quentin Johnston, but he is actually my wide receiver five in this class. I, I think just based on, um, a little bit more production and, and a little bit clearer of an evaluation. I put Johnston above him, but I'm going to tell y'all it's close and I'm really high on Jonathan Mingo. He is like hashtag my guy. I want to explain him to you in a lot more detail though. And I want to make sure I have enough time to do that. So Jonathan Mingo out of Ole Miss, it's a weird offense. And I think because of the other talent on that offense and the fact that Jonathan Mingo is as good at blocking as he is. He is an astounding blocker. He's a tight end in the run game. He's 220. Uh, I think it's like 6263 and he's astounding blocker. When I say he's a tight end, I mean that 100% in the complimentary sense. He lined up as a tight end, like an inline three-point stance, you know, blocking split zone. Like 
doing tight end stuff, doing what we would see Johnny Munt and TJ Hawkinson do. Um, but usually when you hear that about a player, oh, he's a tight end masquerading as a wide receiver, you think, oh, he's pretty slow. And there are times when he does look pretty slow, but I have seen enough of him being fast and he tested well to know, okay, he can be fast. He just was not fast a lot on the field. And there are reasons to do that if you're running you know, a, a deep over and you're finding a soft spot in the zone, you'll slow it way up to maximize the amount of time that you're in a throwing window, you know, like really make that last. Um, if you're running a go ball, you don't want to run out, and, and you're the fourth read on the play, you don't want to run out of the quarterback's range by going so fast that, you know, now he can't throw that by the time he gets to you in the progression, so you'll, you'll pull it back. I think that some of that was happening at Ole Miss, and so I think some of those concerns are a trick. I, I do think he's fast. I think he's fast. I think he's big. I think he's everything that we kind of think Quentin Johnston is. Um, the only reason I have him below Quentin Johnston, and I, I can see him having a better career than Johnston, but the only reason I can I have him below that is because I just don't have the luxury of talking to Lane Kiffin and saying, hey, did you have him do this because he can't play wideout or just because he's so good of a blocker you had to use that? <laughs> um and he did play some wideout, right? Like he would line up on the outside and run a go route. And he was really, really great out of the slot as well. So he's a very weird eval. And maybe, you know what? By, by the time we actually do draft day, I might actually put him above Quentin Johnston. Who knows? I really like him. And I think the flaws with him are overblown because they're really set up to trick us into, into thinking that they're a bigger deal than they are. I, I have a big gap now. And I go all the way down to like, I'll call these, I'll call the next guy is Josh Downs. I'll call him like a, a top 70 guy. Like, let's say we make a trade down. We get like pick 30 something and pick 50, 60 something. And that's what we get for, for pick 23. There's a trade you could make with the Seahawks. That's that way. It's like 37 and 57 or something like that. Um, and maybe you give back, you know, a fifth round or a fourth round or whatever, right? Let's say we end up, and this is going to be our second pick, late second, early third. Maybe we end up with a pick there somehow with some trade downs. Or maybe you, you, you trade up from pick 87. This is that kind of this next tier. I don't have a lot of people in this tier, but I do have Josh Downs in this tier. Um, I am not a huge fan of Josh Downs. I struggle with him a little bit. Um, I talked about him last week, I think last Thursday or last Friday, in a little bit more detail, but to give you this skinny, he's again, he's five, eight, he's really small and he plays like he's small. He's got to go around guys. He's there's moments of physicality. He's, he tries really hard as a blocker, uh, but he does not get great influences on guys as a blocker, but Hey, he throws his body in the way. And a lot of times as a wide receiver blocking, that's kind of all you ask. Um, he, there's a lot of like, I, I need to like watch his just bombs or something. Cause I don't get what people are talking about with like upside with him. Um, because what I see is rawness. I see incredible rawness. Uh, I, I see a, a lack of a plan when it comes to a lot of routes. I see him breaking his routes off early quite a bit. Um, I think his catch radius is okay for a guy his size. But, you know, for a guy his size, it's just an, it's like probably a below average catch radius across all receivers, which is great for a guy his size. But it's still, I wouldn't call it like a strength compared to, you know, Jonathan Mingo or guys with like real big boy bodies. Um, I, for him, I see like a pile of stuff you have to get over and stop caring about. And I wonder if the juice is really worth the squeeze. 
I mean, I still got him, you know, top 70. Like I I still see him as a, a player that's going to be a contributor because I think you can at least give him, you know, after catch opportunities and you can do gadget stuff with him. And I think like, he's not going to ride the bench. I don't think maybe I don't maybe he could ride the bench. Um, I, I see it like there's a lot of assembly required. And then there's also that size limit to his ceiling. And you can kind of see where my principles are starting to seep in here. You know, the guys that, yeah, there's a ceiling to how Smith and Jigba or, or uh, Zay Flowers play because of their size or because of an athletic concern or whatever. There's a ceiling there, but there's also no assembly required. You bring that guy in and he is immediately what you need him to be. Um, and so, okay, I know what this package is. I know how it impacts my offense. That certainty is worth something to me versus somebody like Johnston or Josh Downs. Okay, I can see what this guy could be, but I have to do a bunch of work to get there, which is not only going to delay his start, but it's also a point of failure. He could just not develop more nuance to his routes. Uh-oh, and now I just got a guy that, you know, he tops out at limited, and I have to work to get him to that point where he's topping out at a disappointing place. To me, that's that's a third rounder, maybe a second rounder, a low second rounder. Um, next up, I have a couple of guys that are hard to get uh, to pin down, really. First is um, Xavier Hutchinson, who's another guy that I talked about uh, on the day two wide receivers. He's an Iowa State guy. Um, I don't mind Xavier Hutchinson, even though the, the deal with him is kind of that he's raw, but he's a good athlete, and then he didn't test as well as you would hope. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him kind of fall off the face of the planet in the draft. Um, I have him as a, if he's there at 87, I wouldn't hate it kind of guy. But similarly, like if they trade it up or they really like, I don't think any, I, I wouldn't be like excited enough to go up and get him. But if he falls in my lap, okay. And I might adjust that, honestly. As I talk about it, I'm, I might say maybe that's more of a day three guy where, if you can find, maybe his combine lied about his athleticism because he looks more athletic on tape than he tested. And there's always a question there of, okay, well, maybe he was just tired. Maybe that 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 drill happened at 9.30 p.m. and it just wasn't right, you know? Um, and you always have to have that that question, but you kind of have to assume a very optimistic answer to that question to, to get there with him. And then he's got all these little rawnesses like Downs and, and, and Johnston, but again, this, the ceiling has question marks about it. So it, it, it falls a little bit further. Um, but again, you know, his, he doesn't seem to string things together with as much intentionality as you see with like Jordan Addison. Um, and so I need to teach him that to use the athleticism that I'm only kind of sure that he has, but I also have a direct contradictory evidence of that's an issue there. Um, Similarly, at the pick at 87 tier, and you know what? I, I actually, I am going to put Marvin Mims above Xavier Hutchinson because I see it with Marvin Mims. He's a bit of a one-trick pony, all right? He's what people think Jalen Hyatt, and you might notice I have not said Jalen Hyatt or Cedric Tillman yet. I'm not high on those guys. Um, I think Marvin Mims is what people think they're getting in Jalen Hyatt. Jalen Hyatt is speed and only speed, and then he didn't test that well. He ran like a four four something four four one or something like that, which for a guy whose only trick is speed, you need to be in the four threes for me to be interested in you. And truly, as part of that Tennessee offense, rough. We'll get to him. Um, but for Mims, it really is. He is a great example of how being fast makes everything easy mode. <laughs> Where his technique and stuff is not that polished. There's a lot of room for him to add extra nuances. But because he's just so darn fast, every tiny little mistake you see across from you gets amplified. Um, 
you're not going to see as many mistakes in the NFL and people know how to defend a guy that's just fast. Look at like chosen Anderson, right? His career falls off the face of the planet because people figure out how to play off coverage against him and he doesn't have a great skill set to punish that. Now suddenly he's playing on, you know, provisional deals, but with Mims, I see enough nuance. I see him, you know, really close down space. I see him sink really well into his breaks, come back toward the ball. I see him be able to to lean a guy one way to create space for your break. You know, if you've got an outbreaking route, lean the guy inside just to give yourself more space to work. And maybe you get him, you know, really trying to cheat it, which would be really cool. But really, you're just trying to, to get him to slide one way so you get more space. Um, there's one catch that everybody posts with like really great body control and he's supposed to be a good contested catch guy despite only being 5'10 and I think like 180. Not the biggest. He's not po- a podcaster like some of these other guys are, but um, he the, the problem with him is that I, I, and I don't see him getting better at this because of his slight frame, is getting through contact downfield. You know, again, the, the corner can kind of stand there and take a charge and he doesn't have a great answer for that outside of just going around. Um, and, and he doesn't do a great job of going around. He'll try to go through and he'll get bumped off his route. And that's just a habit that you can't have. You got to fix that before you can get on the field. So w- whenever you have that, whenever I see a thing that's like, okay, you have to fix that before you can get on the field immediately. I can't take you in the first and I'm, I, I gotta be really excited about something to take you in the second or the third. Um, and I'm pretty excited about that speed four, three, eight, and you can see it on field. You can see just that he blows by a guy who made just this tiny little technique mistake, but that's all it took because he's so fast. It's so unforgiving and it makes his technique very forgiving. He can mess up a bunch of things and still just kind of run by a guy because he's fast. So I like Marvin Mims. I think more than most, I'd put him in the pick at 87. Yeah, I am going to put him above Hutchinson. So in the fourth round, this is where I put these Tennessee guys. I will say right now, Cedric Tillman is an incomplete eval. I kind of want to watch him a little more. I don't I don't have a great uh, sense on him. But when I watched Hendon Hooker, I found myself going, man, number four screws up a lot. And it really is letting his QB down. And then uh, to my horror, I find out that this guy's a top 100 prospect and is like going to be the fourth wide receiver off the board. Um, that's all I have, though. And I wasn't focusing on him very, very strong. So... I can't, I've got it in italics on my board. It's like a loose... I, I, I don't think I like what this guy has to offer, but to have a real take, I got to do more. So, grain of salt there. But with Jalen Hyatt, unlike with Marvin Mims, there's kind of nothing to it, and there's a lot of stuff that he has to learn. Um, I think it was uh, Billy Marshall on Twitter posted some quotes from scouts about... Um, I think it was from like an athletic article or something uh, about Jalen Hyatt. And it's like, yeah, he's speed and he's just speed. And uh, if you are an NFL defense and you don't have don't know how to handle a guy that's got speed and nothing else, it, it just doesn't happen. <laughs> then, you know, then you're going to lose to everybody if you're that bad. Right. Um, so I don't really think that Hyatt offers a lot for me. And I would rather my team not really look at now. Look, we get into day three. All right. Now, at this point, you know, you've got a guy that's good at one thing. You're happy with it. So I've got him in around four place. Um, I also have Tank Dell. I've got him as a round five guy. Tank Dell is a very interesting prospect. Um, I think he learned a little bit over time, but there's a lot of random little raw nuances, and he is just not a good athlete. His testing was like first or second percentile, like real, or no, yeah, like first or second percentile, like real bad. Um, He's, he tested slow, and you can see that his speed is, or he tested okay speed. It was like four or five, and you can see times where it's not good enough, times where it is good enough. He's another guy that's like five eight. I think he's one sixty. I mean, he's like literally smaller than the kid you copied off in math class. I, in the NFL, that's just feels like suicide. That's just not a guy that I really want to have 
you know, I he can't. There's no way I can ask him to block in the hole. I can't ask him to, you know, come across a formation or or dig out a nickel corner or something like that. So very much not a scheme fit. But he's got enough juice where if he's there at round five, I think I'll take him. But otherwise, I just don't really have a lot of reasons to be excited about him. Here's the thing with this. All right. If I didn't talk about your favorite guy, like A.T. Perry, I haven't really watched him. All right. I don't really have a great take on him. I, I could regurgitate what somebody else said, but I'll just point you to that person and you can go get that. Um, there's all kinds of receivers out there that I just did not really get to uh, before doing this episode. So it is not comprehensive. I don't have the whole class. I, 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 you don't want me to try to watch all 50 guys in the class and come up with a big draft guide. I just don't feel like I can get in enough depth to really do those guys justice. And then I think I would probably be leading you astray. Um, I just don't think that's fair to you. You know, you, I, I think I owe that more than that to you guys. So I would rather get fewer guys, right? So if I didn't mention your favorite guy, doesn't mean he's off my board or anything. I just didn't get to him and I don't have an opinion on him. And if the Vikings take him, then we'll deal with that. When we deal with that, I'll go watch tape of him as soon as, uh, as soon as his name gets called, we'll go, we'll, we'll go talk about it. All right. Um, that's more or less my wide outboard though. That's where I'm at on that position. I'm going to do the same thing for corner, same thing for QB next week. Um, we also have a special contest tomorrow. Get me your day three guys, um, at 1030 central time tomorrow, 1030 AM central time on my Twitter. So as long as it's after tomorrow morning, I will have put out a call for everybody's day three draft crush. Tell me who you think the Vikings will take day three or should take day three. If you are right, you get maybe this football card that I got when I bought something off of Carl Eller's team store. I'm just, I'll, I'll mail it to you. I don't, I don't really want it. So I'll make a giveaway out of it. Um, so if you're a big football card person, make sure you get one in, you get one entry. If, if I see you put in several names, um, no, <laughs> it doesn't count. And if multiple people get it right, I'll probably give it to the person that got like the latest pick. Cause I guess that's the coolest call. If you like, you predicted the seventh rounder. Um, if they get picked, but day two doesn't count. If they're, if they get signed as an undrafted guy, doesn't count. Gotta be day three. So give me that. Um, I, I, again, I'll put out a call on Twitter and I'll also donate $20 to a charity of your choice. If you are correct, whether you're the latest guy or not, but only one of you can get the, the football card. Um, yeah, give me that stuff. Uh, tomorrow we'll, uh, I'll go through all the day three guys that I can figure out to get through tomorrow. Um, and we will continue on. So thank you all for hanging out. And as always, Skull.